Good morning, YouTube family. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be. Welcome to Escape from Crazy Town. <laughs> and welcome to Happy Crappy Hour, our live stream. Oh, let me see. Seems to be a little blurry to me. Let me do this a little bit. Ah, oh, that's a little better. So, you guys, I had a thought today because I was reading one of my comments, or actually a few of my comments on my channel on previous videos, and it got me thinking about crimes of passion because of some of the criminal narcissists that I've covered in the past. And um, I want to say that these violent criminals are definitely narcissists. They're psychopathic, okay? If you're a psychopath, if you're not you, you, but if uh, a person is a psychopath or sociopath, they already have a narcissistic personality disorder in order for them to become the sociopath or the psychopath. So self-centered, so self-focused, and completely unaware, or not even unaware, but um, disregarding the existence of other people and their value. You know, they don't value the life of other people. So this allows them to be behave in a way that's sociopathic or psychopathic. Now, I've had people come on and question this when uh, referring to some of the criminals, particularly, well, I want to say probably most of the criminals I've talked about, but particularly Betty Broderick. I mean, that kind of gets a lot of people going because a lot of people have experienced what she did, which is, you know, she's a woman scorned, right? Uh, a woman whose husband left her for uh, a much younger woman and cheated on her and of course she was gaslit because anytime you're being cheated on you're gonna be gaslit all right that's just automatic because the cheater is not gonna tell you oh you caught me you're right no they're going to tell you no you're crazy and you know why would you think that you're just being paranoid or you're being too critical so they put it back on you and it feels very much like the kind of relationship you would have with a narcissist now, some people are cheaters and they're not a narcissist, but they have a problem with maturity or lust or whatever, right? Um, that's to be diagnosed separately. But though they're victims, the people they cheat on do go through this experience of gas being gaslit. And you do feel like you're going crazy and it drives you to possibly uh, a crime of passion. And I can see some people might think that Betty Broderick, Broderick was driven to a crime of passion. But there's a difference between crimes of passion and what narcissists do. So we're going to get into that in a bit. Um, I want to say good morning to you guys. Thanks for hopping on. Good to see you here. Hey, Obi. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's the thing with uh, narcissists. They do tend to have flying monkeys or fan clubs that help them. And sadly for us, sometimes it comes against us. So that's why it's best to cut ties with the narcissist and their fan club. You do not want, even though that fan club might be related to you, might be very intricately involved in your life, you have to start backing out of that. But Here's the deal. You got to also take a look at um, where you are and and how to stabilize yourself, how to build a good foundation. Rye Shines, good to see you. Good to see you. Or Shines, Rye Shines, <laughs> good to see you. So you guys, I do want to talk about 
what is the difference between what narcissists do and what people who are driven to a crime of passion do? How, how is it different? Now, the results may not be different. The results may be uh, a dead victim, right, which is horrible. I've heard of uh, cases, man, a long time ago. Um, one of my coworkers, excuse me, you guys, got to get a drink. <clears throat> one of my coworkers was telling me how, let me see how this, oh, his cousin, uh, his cousin came home and caught his wife cheating on him. Uh, I don't remember with whom, like if it was his best friend or someone he knew or not, but in that moment he snapped and he ended up, uh, killing, right? Uh, so and it was a really horrific crime, too. I mean, he just snapped, went nuts. So there was a hearing, though, for clemency where they, the judge was considering, was this a crime of passion? Because when you are in the midst of your world being shaken and thrown into chaos sudden, suddenly, you're, you go somewhat crazy, right? You're not really able to think logically, you're not able to behave responsibly, you go into this crazy, extreme, hormonal storm. And that's what his cousin had gone into. And here, I want to tell you guys the difference, okay, between what this guy did, what my uh, co-worker's cousin did, and what Betty Broderick did. The difference is, there is not a pattern. There is no pattern of my, my co-worker's cousin having these crazed, violent, um, psychopathic tendencies where, where he was setting up his wife or he was um, attacking her verbally, mentally, physically outside of this. Uh, there is no pattern of him um, living a fake life, right, with others or, or cheating others in a way that Betty did. Like, she set up so many things along the way with, uh, and she just became more and more violent, more and more crazy, and even towards her kids, she became, she became uh, abusive. And maybe she was already abusive, but she became even more abusive towards them as this whole issue with her ex-husband unfolded. And it was six years, you guys, six years of her attacking her ex-husband and his um, girlfriend, I guess. And eventually he married her after six years, but, or the supply, I wanna say. Now, I'm not saying that the husband wasn't also a narcissist. It's possible that he was. And I've mentioned in my videos that it probably was likely that he was as well, but he was one of those narcissists that seems to um, be very charming and able to amass a group of flying monkeys or fan club that will say wonderful things about him. But in the meantime, he's really cutthroat with his enemies or those he finds to be on the other side. So we don't know exactly what the deal was with him other than we do know he was a jerk for cheating on her, for gaslighting her about the cheating. And um, 
you know, I and I understand taking the rug from under her. You know, I, I can understand that. And a lot of my viewers really support Betty because of that. They see her as the victim. And in many ways, she was a victim. And the difference, though, between her committing a crime of passion, which usually is instantaneous, it's not dragged out over a long period of time, especially years, but even a period of weeks, right? It's not dragged on over a period of weeks. Because during that time, there are moments that drag you back into reality. You're no longer in that crime mode of passion, right? Crime of passion mode. You're, you're not beyond reach. You actually can answer, answer a phone and be normal. Let, let me explain that one to you. Have you ever been in a fight uh, with a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever it might be, and the phone rings? And even though you're like spitting mad it, for about two hours before that, the phone rings and suddenly you're composed again and you, you answer the phone like a normal person and so that the other person on the other line has no idea you've been fighting. That there shows that you have control. You do have, even though you're very passionate, even though you're very hurt, even though you have all this pain going inside of you and you're angry at the person who's in front of you, if you're able to break that and then speak normally, that means you can have control over your emotions. That is the difference. With a crime of passion, that's why it doesn't last for a long time. Because in that moment, you have no control. Something has happened. Something has snapped inside of you. But after that moment has passed, and I can't even imagine that that moment lasts longer than an hour. I don't know what the statistic is on this, but at some point when you have to leave your house, you compose yourself again. You're, you're, you've snapped back to normalcy, back to reality. And you have to interact with the people that you're encountering as if nothing has happened. So when you, I watch these crime shows, these crazy criminals, they do, they snap right back into reality. Like they commit their crime and then they can go to the store and act completely normally, right? They can buy the shovels and the bags and the duct tape. It's horrible, but they buy stuff. What happens though to a person who has a crime of passion is that they lose themselves. They cannot then come out of that and act as if everything is normal. They don't come out of that and act as if, oh, my life is just fine and I can hide this and compartmentalize the crime I just committed and as if nothing has happened. If they had committed a crime of passion, here's a very big clue. They will have sudden remorse and guilt. They will be so distraught about what just happened and they cannot believe that they just did what they did. They won't be able to <clears throat> compose themselves. Excuse me, you guys. <clears throat> so they won't be able to compose themselves because they know that something tragic just happened and it, they caused it. So they're going to have this intense remorse about what just happened. 
they're not going to go about their life like, okay, well, I'm going to move on now. Things are fine. And now my life is different and better. Um, that is what Chris Watts did. So when people are like, oh, no, he's a normal person and this and that, um, he feels remorse now. He's looking back and he feels really sorry. I have not followed him in about a year, but or, have read up on him. But from what I could tell of his crime and how he carried it out against his own children without any passion, actually, it was not even a crime of passion. It was a calculated, planned out crime. And it seems like he had no emotion going into it, no emotion throughout the entire time. And this crime took a period of, I think they were saying probably six or seven hours right, in order for him to bury and hide the bodies, all that stuff. So this is not a crime of passion. That was a calculated crime. And then afterwards, the remorse that um, a narcissist or a criminal-minded person, sociopath, might exhibit, right, they, it might look like they're exhibiting remorse or guilt. Um, what they're really remorseful of is that they ruined their own life. They're not so much concerned about the victims that they ruined. They're not concerned about the victims' families' lives that they ruined. They, they don't even see the members of the family of the victim as uh, valuable people who now have their lives completely torn apart. They see the family of the victims as the enemy because the families of the victims now hate them. They, they can't even imagine or understand why the victim's family hates them so much, right? They, they see themselves, the narcissist that is, as a human who has feelings and has been injured and is broken and needs uh, sympathy and, and empathy from others. But they can't see other people as human, having emotions needing sympathy and empathy from them. They just don't see other people as valuable as they see themselves. And they just, they, there's something that blocks that in them. So you guys, what happens then is that you start to think, well, they're showing remorse because they feel bad. And they may even, like Betty was able to say, okay, after her, I believe it was her second parole, hearing and she was turned down and by the way her own children even though they've forgiven her and all that they've visited her they have relationship somewhat with her even they told the parole board not to let her out because they know they can tell like their mom is not right they love her but she's not right and just like all of us we can love a narcissist but we know that they're not right doesn't mean just because we love them that they're okay now and they're able to rejoin society and be productive and be responsible and and be considerate and empathetic and like a normal functioning person in society they just don't do that so her kids can see that even though she says the words Okay, what I did was too much. And it took her how many years now? 30, 30 years? Be more than 30 years. 40. Are we into the 40? Almost 40 years. Um, and she, it took her, 
how can it take that long, right? First of all, how can it take four decades for a narcissist to finally realize what they did was wrong? Absolutely wrong. No matter, even though he cheated on her, even though she felt like he was gaslighting her, even though, but here's the deal. She kept seeking him out. She kept um, stalking the the new wife, I guess, at that point. Um they, she, she was stalking him and his life to try to ruin his life. She wanted revenge. So her whole time against him was about revenge and how he hurt her. So he owes her everything, including his life and not just his life. The other, I mean, that's another story. What the woman who cheated on with him knew that he was married and she was a jerk for doing that i'm sorry those of you who may know her or her family and all that but that i'm not saying she deserves death for it but that is not an iconic person okay that is not a person who has great morals um here's the deal now do i know people who've done things like that do I know people? You know, yes, I do. Are they remorseful? Yes, they are. Have they changed? Yes, they've changed. So even cheating on someone um, doesn't mean that you're a narcissist, right? People have done that, and then they realize what they've done, and they repent, and they change. And even if they've married the person they, they cheated with, they've changed. The, the new marriage is different, and they are doing better it's every person's situation is a bit different so we can't i'm sorry i know like people don't want to hear this but it's it's the truth you guys um but i want to say also that a lot of times when you have seen a pattern from a narcissist it's not just they cheated because they were abused and they were neglected and they were um they were dying inside of their marriage and essentially the marriage was already dead. I've known about um, some other relationships where the husband was living in the basement. The wife wouldn't even allow him upstairs in uh, you know, the floor that had the bedrooms. So he, they shared the house, but essentially, not just essentially, but he was living in the basement. There is no marriage. For some reason, he thought there was still a marriage. For some reason, he thought like eventually she'll let him back up stairs um but what ended up happening was she ended up divorcing him and it was and it to him for some reason it was a shock like he just didn't understand he didn't get it i'm not talking about you know instances like that where if he had decided that that this is no way to be treated inside of a marriage and he's going to move on with his life, even though they're still living in the same house, okay, she could have seen that as him cheating. And I'm, I'm just saying that in that situation, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's cheating technically, but the marriage is over. Here, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about cases where narcissists will cheat on their spouse repeatedly. And not just that. They, they don't care to work on the, the marriage. They're not in it for the other person. They're not trying to fix things. They don't want to go to therapy. They don't want to have things better. They just want 
to benefit maybe financially from so they keep the their victim their their spouse around to provide for them but they're not interested in having a relationship with them they're not interested in 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 rebuilding the marriage um, which sadly was the case in in this person's life that I know of well you guys so crime of passion is is so different than what the narcissists do if you've watched some of my other videos like Clay Waller he committed um, a crime and he he murdered his wife who was about about to become his ex-wife she came to to him with uh, divorce papers I guess they're the final divorce papers and he he killed her but here's the deal his remorse was completely about him. It was not about her at all. He was caught on um, audio, on a phone call with, I think it was a cousin of his, he was on a phone call with, and he says to his cousin, you know, she's dead. And it's been two years, so why are people still harping on that? And he's wondering why are people still bringing it up? It's over. And the only thing that matters right now is him because he is currently suffering because he's in jail. So he, he doesn't see, right? Is that incredible? He doesn't see how he's destroyed her, her family's life, how he's destroyed his own children's life. And his own children spoke at the hearing and told him, and they were young. I think they were under 10 years old, even at the time of the, the hearing that happened two years after the crime they spoke and told him what a terrible person he was I mean but he's their dad and they love him and it just tore them apart so you see you can love a crazy psychopathic narcissist but you know that they're crazy that they are not able to control themselves they are beyond that and and not only that they are very calculating about how they attack their their victim they they will not snap back into reality they can't so this is why these people are locked up and not coming back out into society because the parole boards know they they know more than we do we they know their behavior in jail as well um, Betty Broderick does not have a stellar um, record let's say in jail okay I think she's reformed a lot because she needed the kind of structure that forces her to not have control of, over other people so within this very limited box very limited cell if you will um, in prison she's able to create a life for herself which is really quite interesting it's sad that she didn't do this outside of jail and that she could see how she could do this outside of jail but inside of a very controlled environment and with people who cannot essentially escape her right they she has this captive audience cellmates uh, jail mates that cannot escape her so they have to deal with her they have to learn how to live with her. They have to be able to survive in this environment with her. So they put up with her. 
You guys, it is not a normal outside of the jail relationship. So she doesn't really have those normal relationships where if she behaves in a certain way, the consequence is that person leaves, right? Gets out of her life and never contacts her again. She doesn't have a real sense of what relationship is, a healthy relationship. She has probably a lot of unhealthy relationships within the jail that work for her, but that's not reality, you guys. That is not a normal and good and healthy relationship. So when we come and look at narcissists and see like the, there are some people who, and I've said this before, who have narcissistic-like traits but they learn and they grow and they move away from that, right? They, they start to behave better in their life. They start to become more responsible. They have remorse for what they did. They have regret and they change it. They don't just carry guilt around forever. And that's something that also normal people have though, is guilt that, that they carry for a long time and they can't get rid of it. So it dogs them and holds them back. And if you're in that position, and I think a lot of empathetic people have this, then you need to get help on how to get over that kind of guilt, over that kind of debilitating remorse, right? That And shame that holds you back from living a full life. Sadly, narcissists don't have that kind of remorse. Their remorse does not hold them back. And they are driven strictly on anger, self-righteousness, and self-centeredness. They, they are driven to help themselves and no matter who they trample on, no matter who they hurt or destroy along the way. Their remorse is not for their victims. It never is for their victims or their victims' families. They don't see the families of their victims as their victims either. They just think that um, the families who now hate them because of what they did are now the enemy. They, they just can't see and empathize with the family. Now, there are people who've committed crimes of passion who then realize, oh my gosh, what did I do? I've destroyed the lives of all these people by taking this person away from them. I've, you know, I, I destroyed a really good person in the in the midst of my anger, out of my outburst, um, and they realize what they did to other people, and they have real remorse, they have real guilt, they feel real sadness over it, and not just for themselves, but for the people that they affected. That is the difference between a crime of passion and what narcissists do. And the reason that parole boards do not allow narcissists back out is because they see this. They know that this person is not capable of remorse. Therefore, they're not capable of valuing other lives. And if a person cannot value other people's lives and have shown has shown that they've taken people's lives, like it, it doesn't matter to them. They can feel like there's a, um, they can feel like there's reason. Like they, they had a, reason to do this or they um oh, what am i trying to say you guys it's that it 
so long as they have a reason, it's okay to do this. It's okay to take from others. It's okay to destroy other people. So long as their perspective of that other person is what they think it is. That is not society. That is not healthy society, you guys. When there are people in society who behave this way and very scary, actually really scary right now, that there are a lot of people in our society who are being groomed and taught and trained and programmed. And I will say programmed because that is what social media now does. Like videos, um, narratives, stories, um, movies and programs, TV programs are programming people to feel that if there is a reason for you to do that, then you should do it. Regardless of how it hurts another person, regardless of how the other person really is. Um, how do I put this? Just because you view somebody as a monster, they may not actually be a monster. Like once you come to your senses, once you see them in their other life or a life outside of yours where they're not mad at you, they're functioning, they actually um, can have relationships with others. This is a person. It's not your responsibility to injure them, to to rid the world of them, if you will, right? It is not your responsibility. But narcissists feel like it's okay for them to take that. It's okay for them to destroy somebody so long as they perceive that other person as the enemy. That that is not up to the narcissist, and and it's just so crazy right now that there are people out there who feel like it's okay for them to steal from others. It's okay for them to take from others and destroy other people's uh, lives just because they they think the other person is better off. Like they just think the the other person is so much better off. It's okay for me just to take some from them. In fact, it's okay for me to take as much as I want from them. That's a narcissistic way of thinking, you guys. That is not considering the people around you and actually working with the people that you are interacting with. It's simply, how do I take advantage of this other person? How do I take from this other person and, and improve my own life? There is a lot of that thinking going around right now. Um, you know, I know a few small business owners and, you know, uh, I just watch them and I'm just so amazed. I have a couple of friends who are small business owners and I'm so amazed how hard they work. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking of one right now where she works, I want to say, trying to count the hours, 12 plus, okay. Her business is open 15 hours a day, 15 hours a day, her business. And she is there from the beginning to the end she opens and she closes the business not only that um, outside of so she also has to get things done outside of business. so she has to get there earlier in order to open to prepare and have it open she has to stay later to clean up and put things back in order after the end of the business day now all the people who work in her business work maybe I don't know 
they can work maybe six hours a day and they're not they're not all they're not there this the 15 hours a day they're not there beyond the 15 hours to prepare and to close and shut down and all that they're not there um, getting inventory doing all the paperwork meeting with the accountant uh, possible with the lawyers when they need to do legal things they're not making the phone calls with other business businesses trying to set up uh, customers and whatnot the business owners work their tails off oh my gosh I mean I am just blown away with the work ethic of these business owners and sadly I see employees take advantage of that because they feel like I work hard enough I don't need to work this hard you're pushing me too hard and I get it I get it I understand some of that some of the business owners are kind of rough um, but I'm seeing a lot of the attitude that the um, employees or even people who come in the customers you know they, they just feel like entitled to take more and more from the business owner because they just perceive that this business owner has far more than they do right they just perceive that this business business owner has a nicer car than they have or has a nicer home than they have so therefore I need to take from them until they have what I have which is like you know a two-bedroom tiny apartment or maybe not even a two-bedroom right and and a broken-down car but the thing is this business owner provides jobs for all these people provides a place for them to be able to work and earn money and the business owner takes all of the risk I'm sorry I'm kind of going off on on this because I'm thinking about a couple of business owners who really got attacked badly by their employees who were demanding more and more and more and this gets us into that programming I'm telling you about that nowadays people are feeling entitled people are feeling like I'm the victim so I should take from you regardless of who you are because what my perception is of you that is narcissistic thinking you guys we need to stop behaving like that we need to see each other as human beings and talk to each other and interact with each other in a way that's beneficial to both of us right you can't go through life just taking and taking and taking from the other person and then assuming that you're you're doing um, uh, them a favor by by showing up you know but like, I'm here but I'm not gonna do all the work you're telling me to do um, I hate to say this way you guys because I I really like the employees too and I think the employees do try but I absolutely know the employees are not working their tails off the way the business owners are they are not um, there's got to be a way that they can meet every week and just talk and and have a relationship the way a family would have anyway narcissists do not do this narcissists just see a situation they decide what the situation is where of course the narcissist is the victim and therefore deserves to take advantage of the person they think is hurting them or taking from them or is better off than them they don't see it as this other person has worked day and night seven days a week and that's the other thing these businesses I know um, they're open seven days a week you guys so I cannot even understand how someone can work for years where 
I mean, I know at this point it's months, but I, I can't see this letting up for her. I cannot see it letting up for her unless she hires a manager that takes over all of this, the, the opening and another manager to, to close. A lot of business owners, when they start off, they are working, you guys, so many hours a day. I've heard about it, but now I'm actually witnessing it, or not just now, now, but over the last couple of years, I've been witnessing this, and it has blown my mind how hard they work. And then to hear people say they want more from the from these owners, and I'm like, I know there were months where these owners couldn't even pay their own mortgage because... Um, well, especially with the shutdowns, they, they couldn't, right? And yet, even then, then their employees expected something from the owners. And I'm like, you do know there's no money coming in. If there's no money coming in, then the owners cannot possibly help their employees, cannot possibly give more, right, to help them out. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Um, and, I, you know, I do want to say one other thing about these two business owners I do know. They have helped their employees. They've given their employees money beyond their salary, beyond their their um, pay paychecks, um, sort of as loans, I guess, but with no interest and pay back when you're able to pay back. And um, there have been a couple of times where their employees didn't pay them back at all. And we were talking about hundreds or thousands of dollars. Their employees just wouldn't pay them back and took off. So these business owners, they do care about their employees, and they try. But what's really sad is to see people demanding even more from them and with no sympathy at all, no empathy towards the owners to see that this person took the risk. So when the business goes under, by the way, and they invest by, you know, each of these owners, they've invested at least a million dollars in each of their businesses. That's to keep it running. That's loans they've taken out in order to have this business. It's not like if they sold the business today, they'd get a million dollars for it. They would probably get half of that, if, if half of that, to just pay off the loan. And then they would be stuck with the rest of the loan having to pay that off. I'm sorry, you guys. I really have gone on with this example because this is something that I'm witnessing right now, seeing over the last couple of years, that applies to... To narcissistic thinking when people cannot see what the other person's doing their hardships they don't consider the other person's life and what they had to sacrifice they don't consider what the other person had to put up with so I look at the Betty Broderick story where she is not considering what her husband had to put up with now she sort of mentioned it once where she said you know was she a perfect wife no um, and that's about it, you know, <laughs> like she didn't go into how hard did she make the marriage on him? Like what was her part in, in putting this wedge between the two of them, right? Uh, for that, for, for there to be a possibility of someone coming in and filling that void between the two of them. I'm not saying that she should blame herself for what he did. I just want her to think about the part that she did and how she didn't help their marriage. And she understood that. She, I think it got to the point where she finally did want to work on it. She realized at that point, oh my gosh, I do want to work on this. But by then, it was too late. Oh my gosh, you guys, I think my neighbors are starting up. 
so it might get kind of loud. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share that with you guys that there is a difference between a crime of passion and what narcissists do. There are times that maybe you lose your temper or you get mad or you do something that you know, use a tone and you're demeaning towards someone you didn't mean to because you were having a really bad day, you took it out on a waiter or you took it out on a clerk somewhere and you're, you're like, afterwards you felt like a total jerk, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have treated them that way. You even probably will go back and apologize to them. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, yell at you or I didn't mean to, to put you down. I didn't mean, I'm sorry, I didn't. That is different than what narcissists do. Narcissists will walk away and feel entitled to doing what they did. They feel like it's okay that I did that. It doesn't matter that I did that and that person deserved it anyway. And they might feel a little bit of guilt, but they'll just wash it away and act as if what they did was fine. Well, you guys, I think I am going to sign off because this is going to last for a while, this noise. I appreciate you hopping on. Thank you so much. Oh my, yeah. Yep, Frost is best in the world. Exactly. <laughs> well, you guys, I do hope that you guys are able to move forward because the idea is not to stay where you are. You know, you don't want to stay in a bitter, angry pit like brought, you know, Betty did because all that brings then is more trauma, if you will, you know, more darkness into your world. It's not going to help you out of that pit. And that's why she ended up where she is. She's not leaving because she's not getting out of that pit. And I know some people are like, well, she can't, she can't help herself. She can't. Yes, she can. She absolutely can help herself. She has shown that she can help herself. She has shown that she can be somewhat of a productive person in a relationship. She has shown that she can control herself when speaking to some of the other inmates. She has shown this, but narcissists give themselves excuses to continue behaving badly and they just won't change. So you guys, that is the show today. I hope that this has helped you. I hope that you start to think about what you need to change in order to have a successful, loving, happy, fulfilling life because staying in a pit where you're blaming other people for everything that happens in your life is not going to do it that's the narcissist way that's what they do that's why they stay in their pit if they keep blaming other people and it shows up from time to time even those who um, seem to have gotten a little bit better it continues to show up because you see them continually blaming other people for where they are all right, you guys, I hope this has helped you. I hope that you start to think about things. Be very real with yourself. It's going to be hard, but be very real with yourself, and that's when things will start to get better. Blessings to you guys, and I will see you next week.